So we discover in the Ten Commandments that there are two tablets, the first table and the second table. The second table of the law deals with man's relationship with mankind or humanity's relationship with one another. And it covers six of the laws. The simplified list goes like this. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Alright, back in the book of Exodus tonight, looking at chapters 19 and 20. Exodus chapters 19 and 20. So we come to chapter 20, and I titled this Drawing Near. I chose a lot of good verses in chapter 20 to pick through, but to choose one that kind of sums things up, it was verse 20 for me. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So here in chapter 20, we have the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, as found in verses 1 through 17. And then we find that the people, they kind of take a back step in verses 18 through 21. They take a back step in the sense of all that you command, we will do. They had drawn near to the Lord there at that holy mountain. And then in verses 18 through 21, we'll discover they'll tell Moses, you speak for us. You go to God, come back, tell us we like this thing. You go up the mountain, come back down, talk to us, we'll obey you, then go talk to God again and and kind of keep us out of that personal relationship with God because of their fear, and yet the Lord desired for the people to draw near. And that's why I titled this Drawing Near. It's what he desires for us as well. And sometimes we get in the same mentality that the children of Israel get into in this chapter, where they're at such awe of God that they actually back away from the Lord instead of drawing near. And when they back away from the Lord... When we back away from the Lord, we tend to get in trouble. Mark 2, 27 and 28, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not to be 
a day of traditions and obligations and burdens. It was to be a day of rest, refreshing, and worship. So the first four commandments dealt with man's relationship with God, the first table of the law. The second table of the law deals with man's relationship with one another. And we pick up in verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The first commandment of the second tablet deals with children giving honor to their moms and their dads. Having a good relationship with others begins in the home. Why do you think in our society today that they are trying to break down the home? But this commandment comes with a promise. A twofold promise that says, first of all, that you may be well with you. It's always good to obey mom and dad. It's always good when you're a child to obey mom and dad. Even when you're an adult, to listen to their counsel. Number one, that it may be well with you. Number two, that you may live long upon the earth. Now, I'll just say that this was a conditional promise that God gave to the children of Israel in the Old Testament and is not necessarily transferable to life under the new covenant. There's no guarantee that we'll have long life upon this earth. We've known many people, many good people who have died way too young. But it's not a result of disobeying their parents. More so, I would say it's a result of living in the fallen world that we find ourselves in. Psalm 128, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it will be well with you. To walk in the ways of the Lord, to honor mom and dad. It is good for children to honor their parents. Commandment number six, getting quick now, verse 13, you shall not murder. Now, this Hebrew word does not refer to death caused by war or protecting the lives of others. I can tell you, if someone comes after my children, after my wife, I'm going to stand between them. The word here is a verb meaning to murder, to slay, to kill. The taking of a human life is behind this word, you shall not murder, but it, it seems to indicate premeditated murder. It can even involve an accidental killing, but God will give the cities of refuge for that when someone dies accidentally. And so God will even give laws for those who kill someone accidentally. But ultimately, it speaks about the act of revenge or death by means of uh, hatred. And Jesus would actually take this to a spiritual level as well. In the Sermon of the Mount, he would say, you had heard it said, Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever says raka, which means fool, shall be in danger of counsel. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. 
So angry, anger isn't necessarily wrong. And the Bible warns us, be angry and do not sin, Ephesians 4.26. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And to use the word raka or fool, this anger, it can become something that can fester in us. And so Jesus takes it to a spiritual level, but the law itself states, thou shall not kill. We should, as believers in Jesus Christ, strive to uphold the sanctity of all life. Therefore, God has given the world the right of self-government that those who shed innocent blood could be punished, whether murderers, thieves, perjurers, rapists. Laws have been set that those who commit such crimes, that the innocent should be protected. That lawlessness should be curbed. And even that the guilty would be reformed. Sadly, we are currently living in a society that thinks maybe we shouldn't punish people for their crimes. Or lessens the severity of the punishment. And what we have found is that the less severity of punishment, that there is more crime. In fact, I heard this morning that there are those who are flying in from other countries into California to steal and then going back to their lands because they know if they get caught, they're not going to get in too much trouble. So they're taking the chance. Crazy. The seventh commandment, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. The root of this word speaks about sexual intercourse with the wife or betrothed of another man. So specifically, the act of adultery, unfaithfulness to one's spouse. And Jesus, again, takes it at a spiritual level. In Matthew 5, 27 and 28, 31 and 32, you've heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Furthermore, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason other than except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So pretty high standard that is given in both the Old and New Testament. Not so much in our world today. But this is the standard by which the Lord has given us to live. And these verses speak about the hardness of heart. When Jesus talked about this, he was dealing with the hardness of heart where the religious ruler said, but Moses gave us the legality to divorce our spouses. And Jesus would come back and he said, Moses did this because of the hardness of your heart. But this isn't the way God intended it to be. In Mark 10, verses 6 through 9, Jesus reminded them that in, in the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Even that is a tough one for our world today. Supreme Court candidate for a Supreme Court justice was asked yesterday if she could describe a woman. And she said, I cannot do that. I'm not a biologist. Can't answer that question. What's a woman? I don't know. Aren't you a woman? 
I don't know. He made them male and female. I'll get in trouble for that one. Not by anyone here. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. When they challenged Jesus about divorce, the law, and adultery, Jesus took them back to the creation and said, In the beginning it was not so. God made them male and female and gave Adam his wife, Eve. The issue of divorce continues to be highly debated, even in our churches today. And yet God can work miracles, even in those situations that may seem hopeless. That is when the husband and or the wife wholly gives their heart to the Lord. God can work in those situations, even the difficult situations. The eighth commandment, you shall not steal. It's a word that means what it says, to steal, to rob, to sweep away, to take wrongfully objects that don't belong to you. And today, there are portions of our society today, they say that it's not stealing, it's reparations. We're just, it's owed them. I looked up that word, reparations. So the word initially meant compensation in money, material, labor, payable, by a defeated country to another country or to an individual for loss suffered during or as a result of war. And they've since added monetary or other compensation payable by a country to an individual for an historical wrong. And so that's what's being dealt with in our world today. And when we had the BLM riots in the summer of 2020, that was the thought. You're just taking that which is due to you. It's not stealing. You're taking that which is due to you. But it is stealing. And the Bible says in the New Testament in Ephesians 4.28, Let him who steal, steal no longer. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Not only are you not to steal, you're to share with what you earn with others. First Thessalonians 4, 6, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we forewarned you and testified. Thou shalt not steal. The ninth commandment, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. God wants us to be truth bearers. And we will learn about this in Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 20, where it summarizes basically in this. One witness shall not rise up against another, but by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every matter shall be judged or shall be, let me get the right word, established. And Jesus would even remind the people of that. You shall not bear false witness. Don't lie. Speak the truth. We raised a daughter who uh, gets a little red-cheeked. If she has to keep a secret, birthday coming up, some kind of event that you don't want other people to know about, and she's confronted on it, she can't hold it in. She's not accustomed to that. That's a good thing. The 10th commandment, 
Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, anything that is your neighbor's, their truck, their motorcycle, their car, the house itself. The list could go on. Thou shall not covet. Basically, hands off your neighbor's stuff. It's a verb that means that do not covet. It's a verb that means to take pleasure and to desire, to lust, to desire passionately. We are not to do that. And this, thou shall not covet, this was Paul's issue. He tells us in Romans 7, 7, what then shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law has said, thou shall not covet. This is the one that nailed Paul. God gave the Ten Commandments. And if we were able to completely keep the Ten Commandments, then we could walk in fellowship with God. We would still have to deal with our sin nature, though. We have an inherent sin nature that we can't get past, even if we were able to perfectly keep the Ten Commandments. But James tells us, whoever shall keep the whole law yet stumble in one point is guilty of them all, James 2.10. Paul stumbled in that tenth point of coveting, and he was guilty of it all. Thankfully, Jesus came to pay the price of our sin that we might be able to walk in fellowship with the Lord once again. And because of that relationship with him, he causes us to strive to walk in his commandments. Yet the people stood afar off. Verses 18 through 25. Now the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And so they were near the Lord, but they backed away from the Lord. They didn't go up on the mountain. God didn't allow them to do that, but he did give them boundaries and they could come to a certain point, but even that was too close. So they went back. They spoke to Moses, verses 19 through 21, saying, you speak with us and we will hear, but let God, let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for the Lord has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. And the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Being unwilling to draw near to the Lord, the children of Israel wanted Moses to be their liaison between the Lord, to intercede in their behalf before the Lord. Moses drew near and the people stood afar off. In verses 22 through 26, we finish the chapter. The Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me. Gods of silver, gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. An altar of the earth, you shall make for me. And you shall sacrifice on it burnt offerings of your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you. I will bless you. 
But if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it, not a work of man's hands, but the work of God. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness may be exposed on it. Remember the priest wore robes, their nakedness being exposed. So the children of Israel, they were not to mingle other gods with the worship. If they were to make an altar to the Lord, it was to be made of the earth. If they made it of stone, it was to be of unhewn stone. No tool was to be set upon it. They were even to watch the dress that they wore for the priest. No steps that they would walk up to the altar that they would be profaned. But of all the people who stood at that mountain that day, only Joshua and Caleb actually would enter into the promised land. The people refused to draw near to the Lord, but thankfully, through faith in Jesus, we can draw near to God. We have this assurance in Hebrews 10, verses 21 and 22, that we have a high priest over the house of God, saying, let us draw near with a true heart in full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with the pure water of the word of God. So we have this, the law of God given to us. One question that's often asked, are Christians obligated to keep the law? And uh, this question has been asked quite a bit. And we find that Jesus affirmed the second table of the law when he asked, rich young ruler came to him and said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded, to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. And then he went on to say, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He didn't say thou shall not covet. Maybe he knew this man coveted quite a bit. He was a rich man. Yet, the importance of the law of God in a believer's life. One, it helps to bring us, it was a tutor to bring us to Christ. So the law is good. Perhaps it's one of the reasons why here in our country today, there are so many who are wanting to tear it out of our cities, out of our courthouses, out of our parks. No reminder. What's so wrong with do not murder, do not steal? Of course, right now they're saying maybe you should steal if you feel you have it owed to you. The Bible tells us, it was a tutor to bring us to Christ. God has prepared good works for us to do in this life. We're not to walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, according to Romans 8, 4. And so he also said, Jesus, in Matthew 22, 36 and 40, the last scripture that I'll read for us tonight. Jesus was asked, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll have no problem walking in the commandments of God. Through loving one another, we actually find that we fulfill 
the law of God. So we thank you, Father, for this word that you've given us tonight. There's a lot to learn. But Lord, may we desire to draw near to you. The people of Israel at this time, Lord, they were afraid. They were unwilling to draw near. They wanted a liaison to go between them. And all of that generation except for two would not enter the promised land. Help us, Lord, to be a people who desire to draw near. Help us to be a people, Lord, who desire to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves, that, Lord, we can walk in your ways, that we might be that holy generation, a royal priesthood, your own special people, that we might represent you before others. For in our world, Lord, the need is great. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us this night, that we might walk in your ways. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.